So I married an alcoholic. An entertaining, honest, and provocative look into how two people navigate recovery, marriage, parenting, and the daily grind of life. So I feel it's only pertinent that we start with our fairy tale love story. Absolutely. Everyone loves a fairy tale. Except when you hear this one. So I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Chris. I'm Megan. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Megan. So we are just outside of Philly. I guess we're looking back, what, two years? Uh, we met three years ago, almost. July will be three years. Has it been three years? Yeah, well, almost. How blissful. How Time flies. You didn't even realize it. Sure does. I quite literally got out of rehab. I was doing a 28-day detox in RCA down in Mays Landing. Ding, ding, ding. I rehab exclusively at RCA. He has the pajama pants to prove it. Still wear them daily. I feel like they should be paying us for this. But either way. So I moved into a recovery house in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. A little like post-World War II uh, community called Levittown. I was living with 10 or 12 other guys. Uh, scared shitless, if, if I'm going to be you know, completely honest. That is the point of this. Right. I think we're going to do honesty, regardless. Um, and for the first time in my life, you know, I took a, a dedicated dive into Alcoholics Anonymous. I was out of uh, time, if you will, patience, money. I had burned every bridge. There were no resources left, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, needless to say, it was it was a pretty desperate time in my life. That's how I ended up in Pennsylvania. And then like any good alcoholic, I downloaded every dating app there is for straight men. And that's how I met Megan. I met her on Bumble. <laughs> good old Bumble. <laughs> I think that's a very modern day love story, isn't it? I feel like that's, you know, very 2019 appropriate. And I no? think, yeah, and I think saying, well, it was 2018, remember? Because three years. Whatevs. That's all right. That's not your thing. But, um, nope. You know what? I, I think saying that on here may be like one of the first times well, I've come around to it that we met online. Well, we know, obviously, that we met online. I think there's a select few people within our inner circle that know we met online. You know who doesn't know we met online? My parents. Yeah. Well, they do now, if they're listening. I hope so. I think they will. Well, we should tell them. <laughs> Maybe before. Nah, I like a good surprise. I, I don't really know how to like broach that subject with them. I know, right? Hey, Jim and Valia, our lives were literally falling apart. I told Megan to go fuck herself and we're getting a divorce. And they they actually, and I love you guys, so don't take this the wrong way. They ambushed me in the living room. That's not really what it was meant to be. You came home unexpectedly. There's nothing unexpected about me coming home. I fucking live here. <laughs> I know, but I thought you were going to be out. Well, I was out. I was supposed to go to a meeting, but the meeting got canceled because we are literally just wrapping up the COVID era. We've wrapped it up here. Oh, yeah. We're done pandemic. S some people are participating still. We refuse. Yeah, we're done now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so you didn't realize that. So instead, you just got the Dunkin' Donuts and came home. So we weren't expecting you. They were coming because I was fessing up that, you know, my life was falling apart yet again. And uh, they love that conversation. Yeah. I needed some emotional support. <laughs> Jim and, and maybe Valia. another place to live again. Jim and Vail, you love a good fucking my life's falling apart. Come save me conversation. Oh, and they've had to do it before. So they're good at it. Yeah, totally. Totally. So back when Chris and I met talking about save my life, I was just completing my 28 days. Wait a minute. Dead. Are you crediting me with saving your life? Not yet. Maybe in a future episode. All right. Actually, it may it may come in. We'll see. Okay. All right. You got AA, you know. Yeah. A couple things. Anyway, uh, back when Chris and I met, I was just out of rehab also. Not at RCA, but I was doing an outpatient program, funny enough, at RCA Mays Landing. Um, Chris wasn't there at the time. He was already alumni. I'd graduated. Um, I was an esteemed alumnus. But we did end up knowing some like... The only alumnus I am a part of. <laughs> we did end up knowing, <laughs> ended up like knowing um, or meeting people in common. 
as a matter of fact, the DJ at our wedding, I was in rehab with. And then I was an outpatient with. Yes. I think that was the point of the story. Yeah. So anyway, we did know some mutual people. We just didn't know it at the time. Um, and also someone that I was in, inpatient with, Chris had lived with at a recovery house. I he, did? He's trying to place it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't want to drop names. You weren't a big fan. That was actually most of them. That, that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> necessarily eliminate anyone. All right. Well, anyway, so we knew some mutual people. But I was living, talking about my parents saving my life again. So I was fresh out of rehab and I was living at their shore house. Hence why I was going to uh, the outpatient program in Mays Landing because it was near-ish to the beach house. Close enough. Yeah, definitely. It was like a 45-minute drive or something. Yeah. Which was fine. Anyway, so I was going there three days a week. So, um, But I was living at my parents' beach house because I was going through a divorce. Um, I had moved out of my house with my son. And so me, my parents, my son, and actually my aging grandparents were at the shore that summer. Which, so I I think I met them at the very tail end of the summer. Literally, while they were getting in the car to leave. But you said that that was such a great experience being able to spend time with them. Honestly, that summer was, I mean, I was a hot mess express, but getting to spend that time with my grandparents was unbelievable. My grandfather ended up dying then uh, that December. And my grandma, in true old Italian lady fashion, continues to live on and will probably outlive us all. Uh, yeah. All four foot seven of her. Feisty woman. Very. The Italians are. Almost as bitter and vindictive as I am. No? I think that's why you like her. Is that fair? Almost. Yep. Um, so my parents, again, at that moment, saved my life. I was staying with them. I did get an apartment for my son and I, but it wasn't available until mid-September. So we were living at the beach. I um, was on the Bumble. So I met Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and on Bumble, I don't know if anyone knows this, but like the woman has to initiate, right? Like you can both swipe, right? Yeah, I think that so was the can, thing of it. Yeah, you can both swipe, but in order to match. have a conversation, right, if you match, the woman has to reach out first. Yeah. So Chris was on there in his like Burberry scarf and peacoat, calling himself a project manager. But his little bio said, I am sober and I smoke cigarettes. I don't plan on giving either up. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I sent him a message. Me too. Still true to this day. I know. How about it? It's amazing. I know, right? So we kicked it off with some honesty. Yes. I think so. I mean, but you know what, though? We fell into that whole... Well, I don't know. Let's talk about let's talk about where we were both at at that point. So when you got out of rehab, Chris is from Massachusetts. He's not from here. I am. So I'm originally from Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, that was literally my seventh or eighth time in rehab, I think. And I had I was living with my brother and his fourth ex-wife in Northern Jersey. Uh, and that just happened to be the closest RCA by me. Again, I rehab exclusively at RCA. Which is funny because it's not even really that close. It was probably like a two-hour drive. No, but if, it, you know, again, like I'm a creature of habit. So if the nearest RCA was in Montana. That's where you would have been. Yeah. Okay. And I would have been like, Mumsy. Send the plane. Send the plane. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time. And that's all you need to say in my family. They're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Chris needs a drop off again. Do you need cigarettes? <laughs> you know, again, rehab's rehab. I, I don't think we necessarily need to get into that. But I actually ended up hooking up with a girl in rehab. And I don't mean like, you know, sitting on the couch rubbing elbows. Like I was plowing her in my room. Super inappropriate. Um, for the podcast, for life. Yeah, no, it is what it is. Uh, and I had actually, because I am such a devious uh, and amazing alcoholic, I ended up talking to one of the staff members and got their blessing because that particular staff member wanted to hook up with a patient. Oh. And so one night, and I'm sorry, I'm totally throwing, you know, RCA under the bus here. Great food, great recovery. You know, maybe they've looked a little bit more into their staffing issues. <laughs> Shall we say? <laughs> Maybe they've gotten a, a bit woke er <laughs> and done some uh, morality training. But anyway, so one night during the, the nightly meeting or whatever, 
uh, I approached said staff member and I was like, hey, I heard you want to hook up with so-and-so. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to hook up with so-and-so. And he was like, all right. And then we hooked up with our significant so-and-sos. That's charming. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, it, Megan wasn't the so-and-so, by the way. Wasn't me. No, definitely wasn't me. No, 100% not. So anyway, so that's how I ended up in the recovery house in Bucks County because she was from that area. And, you know, like brilliant alcoholic decision, you decided I will follow my two-week romance to their hometown. Which, again, I, I don't think by any brilliant plan of my own or my penis in this case, it worked out because it led me to you. Oh, 100%. I say that all the time. Like, I'm actually very grateful to this unnamed woman. Yeah, I don't even remember her name. That's not shocking. <laughs> not really. <laughs> Clear, clearly, she wasn't memorable. <laughs> That's not very nice either. So, you know, again, I think um, I think the moral of the story, and I, it took us a, a bit of time to get there, is that even from jump, we were making alcoholic decisions while sober. Uh, definitely on a daily basis which if you're in you know any sort of recovery you know unless it's like literally your first 12 minutes in recovery like there's you shouldn't be dating in that first year uh you should really be concentrating on working a program you know just really working on the individual rather than doing some of those you know, i'm making air quotes right now like those old habits that led you through the doors of the rehab originally, that the selfishness of the do what I want when I want and the impulsivity. Is that a word? Yeah, I mean, it describes it completely. So if it isn't, you should call the Wikipedia and get it placed. I'm going to work on that. I think that that's like so common for so many alcoholics, right, is that we come out and I know personally, I actually felt sicker when I got out of rehab than when I went in because I was no longer drunk. So I had to realize that I was sick. Or I felt feelings, which was awful. Right, exactly. Right? Like you don't have that substance or that extracurricular activity or whatever you want to call it to mask what you're feeling or what's literally truly happening in your life around you. Yeah, like you have you're, to be uncomfortable. You're which forced. Is terrible. You know what I mean? Terrible for especially alcoholics or anyone that uses anything to cope because we all have something, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Drop the booze, drop the drugs, whatever it is, and you jump into that quick romance. Because what feels better than new love? Getting high for the first time. Right, exactly. So when you don't have that, you oh, got to supplement, right? That, don't that, you think? I didn't know that was a rhetorical question. No, I'm I mean, sorry. it wasn't. I appreciate your input. But don't sure. you think that's kind of how that like goes? Like why you like followed some girl that you knew for two weeks to a recovery house like uh, without question I mean, I've it's... never asked you about that relationship and I don't really care but I'm sure it was like that very like I mean you were in rehab together so you're like sharing secrets and vulnerable parts I'm sure it was a very like I mean you like we're gonna move in with her after 20 minutes yeah so no, 100% it's you're feeding those you know whatever your substance is be it uh, drugs alcohol cigarettes chocolate gambling yeah uh, fatty foods whatever yeah. you're feeding essentially i think those same pleasure centers definitely oh 100% and nothing does that like a new relationship Absolutely. however wrong it is you know that endorphin rush whatever the science is behind it so I was living with my parents at their beach house when we met. Chris was living in a recovery house. Mm -hmm. He broke up with a girlfriend probably like, I don't know, 12 minutes before we met. Yeah. I met someone in rehab too. We dated for like a good, I don't know, three weeks. But also Which the I think same. is a, a, a strong... Rehab relationship? Yeah, like that's a good go. Yeah. It was a good effort. Yeah. Um, I think when we met on Bumble, I was still very much in that... And not that I was saying this, but I was very newly out and I, you know, like less than three months. And so I was still very much in that make me feel good about myself. Tell me I'm pretty, you know, like that, that face. Like I wasn't necessarily looking. I mean, I know I said right away as soon as we met, um, I'm staying outside of Philadelphia. Like I'll never leave here. Um, I want to get married again and have more children. So if you're not interested in that, like let's not even do this. Yes. But at the same time, I was like, I wanted to fall in love, but, 
you know, like I probably just wanted to live that first month of a new relationship over and over again. You know, like I had three weeks with him and then I ended up with you and here we are three years later. So I think that's an interesting transition, like how this ended up sticking. Does that make sense? Well, I'm sitting next to you looking at that amazing rock on your finger. Uh, so, Well, but I mean, yeah. were you, I mean, so when we met at Target that day for our first date, were you thinking like, today I'm going to meet my wife? No. Right? No, it was the last thing on my mind. I, um, I got to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't know where I was at that point in time. That's honest. Um, like, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> The new ports are kicking in. Still loves those cigarettes. Like I was, you know, open to the whole fairy tale love story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was not prepared. I think in every aspect of a relationship, or at the, at the very least, like the high points of a relationship, I was very much so still trying to work on myself. And at that point. I had made some remarkable strides in terms of recovery and doing the steps and working with a sponsor and trying not to be an asshole every day and trying not to be a selfish, you know, self-destructive prick. But I think the the fairy tale romance like the when I met you, I was not thinking this is the girl I'm going to marry. And it, it like that probably sounds like a shitty thing to say. No think so I don't know I don't think I knew I was gonna marry you the moment I met you in I, fact when I first saw you for the first time I was like meh yeah I'll fuck him but maybe buy him dinner I liked the attention you gave me like you were very attentive when we first started dating because I think you know as many strides as you had made I'm sure you were still in that alcoholic place too we're still falling in love quote unquote feels good I'm not gonna lie to you yes okay. absolutely yeah and I think Again, because I'm an alcoholic and that's how I roll, even still to this day, like I think there's certain parts of my life that I still live in that that sort of zone, if you will. Is it the soundproof room and all the audio equipment that we're recording the podcast on? Yeah. And the country club and the guns and the bird dog. There's a koi pond in our, our, our koi pond backyard of our townhouse. Uh-huh. We got really into this iced tea for a while, this diet decaf made at this Turkey Hill in Lancaster. So this is you. For those of you that are not alcoholics, this is like quintessential alcoholic behavior. Go. So we would all go, we'd go and buy the iced tea. We'd buy two at a time, then four at a time. Half gallons. Half gallons. It only comes in a half gallon. And then um, one night it was cute. I was actually working overnight at a drug and alcohol rehab. This is after we were dating. I think I was pregnant at the time, you know, so we were married. Chris sent me a picture. He actually bought a milk crate of them, so nine of them. I was such a good husband. He was. But really, it had nothing to do with, like, my wife loves these. I'm going to do something nice for her. It was like, well, fuck that. I'll get a milk carton. Yeah. And then... And then, just like everything else, it escalated quickly. Very. And I came home with a pallet of iced tea. Here's the problem with the pallet of iced tea. Go ahead. The iced tea is brewed cold, a.k.a. must stay refrigerated. I was not aware of that. Not refrigerated after opening. And now, so this is... It was last spring. It was after we moved in. May or June. I don't know if you can hear in the background, but the bird dog is going fucking insane upstairs. (laughs) So we are quite literally, what, like two months into the shutdown of the world? Yeah, definitely. And like 10 minutes away from having our first baby, living mm-hmm. in this house for literally two weeks. We just moved in. Um, and I don't know if any of you have tried to buy anything like... Appliances, appliances furniture. computers. Yeah. That was a big thing back then. Ammunition. Although we have plenty. It was impossible. Um, so the yeah. great deal he got on the iced tea... Became an added expense when we had to find an entire another refrigerator to buy to house it. Yeah. So while, you know, I did get it at a pretty good discount if you calculate the cost of the fridge into that, I don't think it's paid for itself yet. Not yet. So alcoholic behaviors, again, what was that, two years sober at that point? Yeah. (laughs) With a pallet of iced tea getting delivered to the garage. Exactly. And I think, you know, everybody 
to a certain extent, lives in that pleasure zone. Oh, who wouldn't want to live there? That's oh, a great place to live. So I was listening to this. It was actually a do- yeah, exactly. It's lovely. There was this. It was a doctor that wrote it, or I, I forget where I was reading it, but it was talking about smoking and how when you smoke a cigarette, you get like seven minutes in that pleasure zone, right? And if you smoke a menthol cigarette, you get like ten minutes. Really? Yes. I don't. I'm. Uh, don't quote me, but I'm gonna have to find it and like we'll publish it to our website or something, so I have like actual data. So like. It was a doctor saying this, like, who wouldn't want to smoke? Besides the fact that it's poisoning your lungs, it's giving you seven minutes of enjoyment. It takes that stress, anxiety, whatever it is, out for seven minutes. Ten minutes if it's a menthol. Maybe 12 if it's a 100. Yeah, and you're not, if you're engaging in any sort of behavior consistently that is detrimental to your health, be it, you know, drinking, drug usage, smoking. We don't condone it. Eating. No, that's not what I... Well, obviously, we don't condone it. I think, you know, a healthy lifestyle to a certain extent is obviously optimal for everybody. I think the take Like, you don't, is... you don't think about the consequences. You don't think about, like, your 60, 70-year-old self laying in a hospital bed with emphysema, like, dying. No, especially when we're alcoholics and we... You know, you're thinking yeah. about those, those seven minutes of pleasure. <laughs> or, That's you know, sex. Here. Like, what you, if you're engaging yeah. in that particular activity, you're not thinking like, you know, I, this may cause an STD or, you know, a pregnancy. Heartbreak. Yeah. Or a heartbreak, right. Like, you're thinking like, I got to get this jackhammer over with so I can like hit the gym or... You know, whatever you're doing after you perform the jackhammer. Have you ever been thinking about going to the gym after sex? With you? With anyone. No. Chris does, though, have three gym memberships. Yeah. He tanned at one for a little bit. I'm all about a membership. I know. You love I, to belong. I love a good membership. I Again, country club, Costco, uh, <laughs> gun range. You know, I love I love a membership. We, went, we took Frankie. Frankie's our beautiful little daughter. <coughs> and there goes my seven minutes. Um, we took her to the zoo the other day, and we walk into the zoo, and like you look down, and, and there's these bricks along like a paved walkway. And I looked at Megan, and I literally didn't even have to say shit. And she's like, you want a brick, don't you? Because <laughs> we already bought the membership. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> we- so we got a brick. <laughs> Anyway, we got off topic. We do that. We do. It's okay. It's what makes us charming. So we meet, we fall in love in a Target, and then we went on a couple more dates, and we had a great summer. Yes, we did. And again, you know, that typical new relationship, like the the questions or the, you know, the engaging conversation that you have in the late night talks and texts and... Yeah, hours on the phone and... Snapchats for the kids. <laughs> Do you even have a Snapchat? Um, and then... I oh, I oh So I only have a Snapchat because I'm in real estate and it's important for me to be on social media. Yes. No, I'm totally kidding. Okay. I mean, I don't care if you have a Snapchat. We're, I, we're not friends. I haven't Snapchatted. Is that a thing? I don't know. I'm going to Snapchat that ass, girl. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, and like any, you know, good alcoholic. So I was still living in the recovery house. Megan had gotten the apartment with her son, Mac, at this point. Yeah, in September. And a- a- any of you that have come from that, you know, sort of recovery house environment, know that it's it's an amazing place to lay a foundation and to get sober and to learn some stuff about being a decent human being. But it gets old quick. And it's restrictive. And so like now we're dating and like you couldn't really sleep out and you could, you know, so it was almost like, you know, we were in our 30s, mid 30s and Chris had like a curfew, like a 15 year old. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, there's all sorts of, you know, there's 18-year-old kids and 50-year-old men uh, and 50-year-old boys. And I think at that point, too, you were like a mentor in the house. And so you were struggling with the fact that you I was couldn't stretched. break the rules. Yeah. I was stretched thin. And I actually, you know, my personality is that, like, I really perform under pressure. And I think that that's absolutely a, a key part of 
you know, what I do in real estate, especially these days in this market. Mm-hmm. But I was, I just, I had, and it sounds like probably such a shitty thing to say, but I had zero time for like the, you know, Johnny came home and he put his shoes in the wrong place. And uh, you know me, I'm like, all right, well, go find Johnny and tell him he's an asshole <laughs> and move your shit like a big boy because mommy's not coming to pick up your stuff. Yeah. So I guess I was just, I, I was really tired of it. And I was, you know, my back was against the wall. You know, when I moved to Pennsylvania, I had literally a backpack full of clothing. Uh, I had a couple of hundred bucks in my pocket. Like I had nothing. Yeah. You know, I was working a shitty job, barely making ends meet. Uh, recovery houses are expensive. So I, you know, sprung onto Megan at one point in time. Like, yeah, we've been dating for like three months. Do you mind if I move in? Well, wait, let's get to the part before that, though. Actually, you probably said that early on. Like, I think as I was, like, moving into the apartment, because Chris brought a bunch of the guys from the recovery house, and they did such an amazing job, and they literally packed up my big house and moved it all into an apartment. Yes. Yeah. Which was amazing. And I think Chris at the time was, like, kind of scoping out, okay, this is where we'll put up my TV. This is where, like, I, mm-hmm. I you were moving in in your mind. Oh, 100%. And I'm sure I was dropping the subliminal... You know, messages here and there. Yeah. When we live here together, honey. Yeah. Um, this is where we're going to fall in love. Our first home. This is where I'm going to piss on the toilet seat. Literally. So Chris and I, I think it's, you know, I was saying when we were talking about like, uh, what should we talk about? I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was saying, let's talk about our first fight, which I mean, there had been little arguments up to this, but Chris and I had this fight. It was mid-October. Um, so we'd been dating one July to August three months I'd been in my apartment a month it was mid-October and we got in a fight and I actually remember what happened this is the stupidest fight you will ever hear in your entire life and I'm actually like on the edge of my seat waiting for this because you don't even remember was that stupid I don't remember but I'm sure like the asshole alcoholic that I am I made a massive deal out of it We both did. Massive deal. But what it started as was nothing. I'm literally walking into work and I said, oh, I may get done a little bit early tonight. Maybe I'll just come by and see you on my way home. And he's like, all right, we'll see. And the massive alcoholic I am got all upset. (laughs) And I responded with, I mean, it's fine if you don't want to see me. Like, I, I get it. And then Chris ghosted me. That's literally what happened. So that's how the argument started. Because as you can tell, I have a very low tolerance for bullshit. And this was complete bullshit on my end. I'm like, I'm not dealing with that. Bye. Right. And I'm like, you know, if you don't want to see me, that's fine. Looking for, oh, no, you're so wonderful. I'm so in love with you. You're so beautiful and this and blah, blah, blah. Like stroke my ego. I'm obviously still sick, even though I'm sober. (laughs) 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 Tell me what I need to hear, please. And he didn't do it. Wrong guy. Wrong guy. I'm actually the complete opposite because I'm the type of person that'll look you in the face and be like, no, you're an asshole. See, this is the part of the story where I get to the fact that that's why I knew I was going to marry you. Oh, I jumped the gun. Well, I mean, not really. Let's get more into the fight. So this fight, okay. quote unquote, then. It's actually good. It's ridiculous. Literally. So I am now like, oh my God, he's not answering my text. So I'll send 400. Because (laughs) when a milk carton of iced tea is good, a pallet is better. Yes. And so Chris does the complete opposite. Chris is a runner. Yeah, my go-to move is run. And not exercise. No. Three gym memberships, has never stepped on a treadmill. Nope. So anyway, he- I am packing up my shit and fuck you. He's taking his ball and going home. Yep. Little crybaby. (laughs) So now- I am sending millions of texts and phone calls. Chris is blocking me. Now I'm calling from my work phone. Now I'm reaching out on social media. We finally settled on emails where I restricted myself then because, you know, I was trying to, you know, improve upon myself to about (laughs) six a day, one of which being a novel. (laughs) Would you say that's true? It is actually. And Chris was complete radio silence. Yep. Complete. I'm and actually, I still, to this day, like it, it, if things aren't, you know, good or whatever, I am not a, I'm not a communicator in the moment. No. In the throes of passion. 
I tend to prefer to not say anything. Right. And I think that's, again, uh, well, of course, I think it's a good thing, but I am also the kind of person that's going to say some absolutely heinous shit and not necessarily mean it, but, like, I will tear you apart in three seconds flat and say some really inexcusable, inappropriate things. And you've said that to me before, which I totally respect. Like, you've said to me, I don't want to say anything I can't take back. Yeah. Totally. But then he takes it to the extreme. That's yes. That's your palate of iced tea. Yes. So this goes on for legit two weeks, right? Radio silence first, obsessive compulsive, mm-hmm. Megan, right? Although you would send me some emails here and again. Like, I love you. Keep fighting. I swear to God, I still have it. Yeah, I'm going to need you to put that on the website, too, because I don't think I've ever said that to I'm gonna, you I'm going to screenshot it. Anyway, and then he sends me on a Saturday night this long email mm. talking about how... I Because, again, we do honesty here, so probably because I had just gotten ghosted on Tinder, and I was like, fuck, now what? Literally. that's. I found that out later, but, you know, in the email he's saying... You know, these weeks, these last two weeks have been so hard, but so. Why, Why is it so dramatic? Because that's how I read it in my mind. But <laughs> so beautiful at the same time. I did some soul searching and, I, you know, I love you. I always have. And I, I want to in any capacity that you choose fit. So I'm like, call me. And, and, and again, just for the audience, that was not my version. <laughs> but I have that in writing. Or reality. <laughs> no, I have it in writing. You really did say that. I don't know. You did. I mean, I found out later then that like, you know, he's the next morning he's like all cute again, sending me pictures of the clam chowder he's making, but was also sending it to like the girl that he had gone out with the night before where he was like writing me the email on the drive home. But that's in, he, here nor there. No. We've moved past it. Have we? I don't know. Actually, you know what's funny? I've moved <laughs> past that portion. I really have. I I actually still, if we're being completely honest, I still struggle with that two weeks of silence sometimes. Okay. I do. Isn't that awful? And I think no, it's because I... don't I, necessarily think so. I think in some ways it almost... So here's the thing, right, with Chris. Like, he means it. For better or worse... If you wrong him, he will cut you out. Yes. And I think I've said that too. And it's not, again, it is 100% not a healthy coping mechanism. Right. And it may have saved my ass, you know, one or two, maybe a, a half a dozen times from like getting in serious trouble where like, you know, I'm going down one road, like a good friend of mine in high school, uh, you know, died from this disease and we were literally thicker than thieves together. But at one point, you know, and I'm not saying I am better than by any stretch, so please don't interpret it like that. But his, you know, addiction had sort of gone to a new level and I just wasn't quite there yet. And frankly, because I didn't have the financial resources to get there. Like, I really I really wanted to be there. <laughs> so really, it was jealousy. Because, like, dope sick is not fun. But at that point, I had literally, and I love this guy to death, but I just had to separate myself from that relationship. And again, you know, it, maybe things would be completely different had I stayed in touch with him or what have you. But I, I just knew. It was one of those things like it, it sucks, but you have to save your own life. I have to do what I have to do for me. Yeah. In 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 that sort of selfish way, I think that's a good thing. Definitely. But I don't necessarily weigh like the risks and the benefits before I'm like, fuck you, I'm out. It's more of just a fuck you, I'm out. And then like I'm it either works out or like I'm picking up the pieces afterwards. Oh, completely makes sense. And I also, which is again, it's almost like being married to a three-year-old. And you'll see that when Frankie gets there. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but like your- That three-year-old ain't bringing you home fucking iced tea. <laughs> that stubbornness is, I'm sure, what saved you, what has kept you sober, what makes you successful in business, right? But it's also um, sometimes you can't be reasoned with. Yeah, like, so yeah, it's good if, you know, we're- negotiating a real estate transaction, I don't think it's necessarily good for... A marriage? Right. Okay. 
So anyway, Chris sends the email. I'm like, oh, God, I have to see you. And he's like, okay, well, maybe in a couple days. He comes over. We eat a dinner together. We lay on the couch. And I'm like, we should really talk about what happened. And he's like, eh, probably not. And that was it. And then he texted me like four days you later. Forgot. It's just so you're just because your parents are listening. You forgot the sex part. There was sex. Okay. Instead of talking. Right. Completely the, alcoholic. We communicated with our individual parts. Yes. And then, you know, a couple <laughs> days later, things went back to quote unquote normal. And then like four days later, he sent me this text message and he's like, oh, I, you know, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, nothing planned. What are you doing? He's like, I'm thinking about moving. And I'm like, really? Where to? Because at this point he had moved to like from the recovery house to a less strict, like sober house. Mm-hmm. And he's like, to this girl's house that lives in Royersford. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, we're... Who is she? <laughs> that bitch. So we're five <laughs> days post. Is like, it that Tinder slut? <laughs> we're five days post, like, monumental, like, fight. And, you know, Chris was in by before Thanksgiving. Yep. So, um, you know, that was how we fought alcoholically, how we made up alcoholically, and how we moved on. Yes. Now, I will say, you know, there's times, and I don't mean this because, I mean, not that I don't mean it. I I do mean it, but I love you to death, and I wouldn't change anything about our lives for anything. Um, But there's times that I think, like, what the hell was I thinking? I should have been like, get the fuck out now. For myself. Like, I should have had some, like, you know. I don't know, self-esteem and was like, this <laughs> which, guy. Which is precisely what I was counting on. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is that. So hence the reason why I married you, right? Huh. Why I knew I had to spend the rest of my life with you. And it had nothing to do with like my looks or my amazing personality or the fact that I still have most of my teeth. None of it. Because I knew. It's interesting. In that moment, those two weeks were awful and they felt awful. And I would like to say that I stuck it out because I knew you were my soulmate and I, I was so in love with you and I just knew we were meant to be. Like, I think I teased you for a while after like, oh, thank God I hung on, you know. But in reality, it was that tough love, which it wasn't love. It was just him being a poor coper. But that inability for me to be able to manipulate him to what I wanted, that I was like, this is it. Is that sick? (laughs) I can't even believe you have to ask that. (laughs) I actually think it's good, though. I find that as growth. It's incredibly sick. I, I know. But in a way, like, I think it was this man can change my life. And I did. You did. You did change my life. And like, we'll get to that later. But he literally, I count AA, my sponsor, all these things for being able to get sober, for actually working a program. But when it comes down to it, and I tell this as part of my story all the time, and this is awful because this is not the person to look for to do it. It was definitely Chris. I mean, he told me like, you're done. We're not fucking around anymore. Get a sponsor. Do the work. And he wasn't going to tolerate any less. Yes. And I needed that. I think we all do. You know, as as alcoholics or people looking for a solution that doesn't necessarily come in a bottle. Chris was going to call me on my bullshit for the rest of my life. And that was frustrating and at times awful, especially when he was wrong in doing it. But it was refreshing and it was exactly what I needed. And, and again, we all do. I think I'm a little more uh, edgy or a little more rough around the edges when it comes to... That's a Worcester in you, honey. It's Worcester. <laughs> um, when it comes to being like, listen, you're being an asshole. Yeah, I like, like sometimes st- he takes it too far. Stop being, you know, a whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm an envelope pusher. I don't care what it is. Like, again, palette of iced tea. Right. Like, the, the, there's a very fine line. I so think, this is when I think your alcoholism was positive, right? Like, and I do. And maybe that's... Yes. I don't know if I've ever actually told you that, or I think I have in like a, you know, a glossed over manner, but I do. I really credit the changes that I've made in my life to you. And I'll take that credit all day. I know. Because I am 100% humble. (laughs) So. And modest (laughs) and grounded. So I married Chris because I knew he was going to push me to be my best self ever. And Chris, I think, fell in love with me because he knew I was a complete pushover or compliant. And an 800 credit score. 
(laughs) (laughs) But I think as much as we push each other to the brink of insanity, sometimes we push each other to do good. Without question. Even Chris's career, right? So, like, I'm definitely a little more lenient, easier to get along with, lovable, just all those things. But All of the above. All of the above. But I think... You know, Chris had a career change when we were dating. So when we first started 17. dating, yeah, I know. I said oh, to him, I was like, "Oh, you've had forty-seven jobs." No, wait. The dog is barking. Yeah, bird dog. Do we pause and get the dog? No. All right, keep going. So I think you know, Chris was driving a truck, and which is totally fine, and I was fine with him driving a truck, mm-hmm. but he didn't really like driving a truck. Not that you didn't like it; like you liked it. I like the seat time and the fact that I could just. You Listen know, to was, music, smoke was, cigarettes, be alone. Yeah. Um, it was a decent living, and it wasn't very challenging. Right. And again, I'm an alcoholic, and I will take the path of least resistance in everything I do, but Chris, unless I'm pushed. Right. Because Chris is also- what you've done. Totally. Chris is also like the smartest, most charming, talented- No. I don't do that in this marriage. Is that the poo? I don't know what it is. The poo's the cat. We'll put the cat up on the on the website too. I, you know, Chris is one of the most like dynamic, smart, like all these things. And so, you know, we he talked about a career change, and he talked about it and talked about it, and then he bought a course, you know, to get his real estate license, and then he had the course for a while, and then he listened. And so finally, I was like, listen, if you want to be a truck driver, be a truck driver. Like, let's make be smart about it. Stop switching jobs every 40 minutes. Let's get you a job with PennDOT, get a pension, like some health benefits and like, you know, just make a life out of it. I said, or like, you're going to do this now. Like, I'm done. You're either going to jump off the cliff or I'm going to push you. And now he's a very successful realtor. That's exactly literally like your exact line. Too. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And it's kind of, I mean, it's not, you know, an apples to apples comparison, but it's the same thing of how we ended up, I guess, doing this podcast, right? Yeah, definitely. So so there was another fight. Another one. And this one was actually real. It wasn't just like my feelings were hurt and you didn't make me feel good at the time. You didn't give me what I wanted. Um, we, you know, we had an actual issue in our marriage and yeah, and not, not a small bump in the road. We've had many small bumps in the road totally. that we find a way to work through, which is, I think, one of our redeeming qualities as a couple. Absolutely. And I think every bump in the road we've improved, like up until this one, but maybe because this one was like a little more major, but I was catastrophic frankly no absolutely but every bump in the road like there was still the me pushing the him silence and then I pushed less and he got silent less and you know like I think each time it got a little bit better yeah we I think we always went to five days to three days yeah our way to that middle ground eventually yeah or we just move on from it Maybe that's part of the problem. We just move on from it. We never actually like we haven't gotten that far yet. Like yeah, we've gotten no. to the point where we're like, okay, you don't obsess, you don't give the full out silent treatment for that long. But like, I don't know if we've ever gotten to the point or a hundred percent where we're like, now let's talk about it and see where we can do better. No, which is you know again kind of why or how we ended up doing the podcast thing. So we and again we're not gonna get into it now because we're you know we're running over time here, um, but. And we want to give you something to look forward to. There was, you know, there was a situation, long story short, and Megan was like, I think we should go to therapy or marriage counseling or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, well, so you're a fucking asshole. Let's do a podcast. Right. And so again, right, like issue presents itself. Chris right away says, pack your shit. I want a divorce. Which is why Jim and Valia were in my living room. Exactly. Telling him not to get the divorce. Which, don't get me wrong, Jim and Valia, like, you're invited over anytime you want. Just don't sell the beach house. And after that conversation, <laughs> though, with my parents, like, I will, like, let's give them a little credit. I literally looked at you in the eyes. Uh, I don't think it was that night, and I don't think it was the next night because I was still in silent mode. But I literally looked you in the face and I was like, your parents just saved our marriage. Yeah. And they're awesome. And sometimes, again, love you to death, right? But you're that three-year-old that can't be reasoned with. No. So I, the marriage counseling, um, great idea, and selfish motives because I was pretty sure they would have said she's right in some of it. You were right too, but like you I don't think you were right in any of it. I think I was right in the sense that like, you need to talk about things in your marriage and we got married and we... Oh, yes. 
definitely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. What led no. us there? No, I was not right. But your okay. response was also not right. And no. so I was ready to pay a therapist to tell you that. Because. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it said Jim and Valia came and they, they helped you through it. Because again, what what does Chris excel at? Chris excels at running. Definitely. And you can't, not that you can't, but you don't listen to me at the time, which I totally get. And why would you listen to me? Because I was the one that was wrong to begin with. But like you, yeah. you don't. I can't reason with you when it comes to that, which is totally fine. So anyway, this podcast, that's how it was born. One thing that Chris does exceptionally well is talk to other alcoholics that aren't his wife. And I don't know why. I think it's too close to home when it is your wife, maybe. I mean, maybe that could be it. I I'm, don't know. I mean, because I say that to you. Well, and it's funny, though, because it's not even true. Because, like, I just said five seconds ago how, like, you saved my life and got me sober. And then I say, like, five seconds later, but you're terrible. You don't think about your wife being an alcoholic, you know, which is, you know, my bullshit. Give and take. Can't have it every way, I guess. No. I just want it my way when I want it. Shocking. <laughs> which is also how we ended up with Francesca. True story. Isn't that the greatest gift I've ever given you? Which is also how I ended up with a country club. And a bird dog. And a bird dog. And yeah. every fucking other thing that came after. I was like, you get a child, I, I get everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not sick anymore, folks. Nope. Anyway, um... So that's what lands us here. So I think our plan going forward is this is going to be a little therapy for us via a microphone over priced audio equipment. Because mm-hmm. again, I'm an alcoholic. And an ability to help other people. What we could have gotten for like 300 bucks at the guitar center, I went out and spent like five grand on. I literally said to him, I already know. First of all, this is one thing that I love about Chris. I was talking about how smart he is. Chris doesn't just like say you like are like, oh, when did whatever happen? Chris doesn't just look it up and get you the quick Google answer. He reads 45 articles about it and now has a full history. You are the king. Actually, one of the ways you're like my dad. Alcoholic behavior. Yeah. Finest. One of the ways you're like my dad. You're like the knower of all useless knowledge. So anyway, I know when Chris walked into the Guitar Center, he went to get educated. He talked to every person that worked at the Guitar Center, that patronized the Guitar Center. I was going to say some, actually most of who I talked to wasn't even employed. No, he literally talked at the to guitar center or otherwise. <laughs> he literally talked to every single person there <laughs> to get knowledge. And I said, and I bet this is what happened. They were like, this is like the beginner's package. This is if you're producing music videos. And Chris is like, I'll definitely take the one on the right. Yeah, I was like, do you know who the fuck I am? He actually holds up the box to me and he says, look, though, the first word says podcast sold <laughs> where's your credit card machine we're also <laughs> horrible tech people so we've had this equipment and it took us a couple weeks many youtubes and a couple extra you know thousands of dollars to get it to work yep so anyway going forward i think our goal is to be honest to talk to to talk to each other not better like not not nicer don't worry we're not gonna start like i'm not gonna pussyfoot around anything no <laughs> no you're gonna, gonna get what us. you get but like learn to communicate better with each other help other alcoholics right because that's how we gotta keep what we have yes and um like we're gonna delve into it all we're gonna tell our stories we're gonna Related to everyday life, we're going to talk about blending a family. I have a son from my previous marriage, so Chris is a stepfather and a father for the first time at 40 years old. We're going to talk about being parents and being broke most of the time, starting new careers, like living life as alcoholics that are in recovery. Yeah, 100%. It's not... I think it's going to strike a chord, yes, with the alcoholics or the recovery population or what have you. But I also think that it it will also serve its purpose with the normies, as we like to call them. Because the stuff that we're going to discuss, like, isn't, I mean, maybe the situation is specific to you and I. Or the way we handle it. Or, yeah, maybe, maybe the reaction is more like specific alcoholic, to, yeah. you know, that particular population. But the the problems that we go through on a daily basis, I don't think as much as I like to think I'm unique, are not unique to us. No, definitely not. So, you know, if you're an alcoholic, maybe you look at it, you know, as a teachable moment. And if you're a normie, hopefully you look at it, you know, more as like an entertainment piece. And we hope you get something out of it and you have a couple of laughs and you can relate or... I think even as a normie, though, I hope you get something out of it. Because like we have always said, 
I think that working a 12-step program can cure all that ails you. Yes. So I even think like the normal population would benefit from it. And I think that one of the um, positives we have to being alcoholics is like we have a program to live our lives by. Yes. It's literally here's 12 steps. Don't be an asshole. Pray to your higher power. Stay humble. And don't under any circumstances pick up. And I think in that sense, we're lucky, right? Because anyone else who suffers with other things like anxiety, depression, whatever it is, right? They don't get that. Like, it's almost like we get lucky. It's like, ooh, you won the alcoholic thing. There's these rehabs for you. There's a program. We can teach you how to live. Yes. All you have to do is remove the booze and pay attention to this program and life will fall into place. And it really does. And I think we're living proof of that. And there's millions of people who are just like you and I who are also living proof of that and success stories. Definitely. So come and listen. just a couple of years ago, they were literally social throwaways. Absolutely. And if so also, too, like I always say to people, I worked at a drug and alcohol rehab then for a little bit after um, I got sober. And I used to say to everyone that came in, like, everyone actually has the opportunity to get the miracle, right? Because it's a true miracle if you get sober, stay sober, especially working a program. Yeah. Everyone has that chance. And if you step through these doors again, you just got another chance at it, mm-hmm. right? So, like, this is your shot. But, I, I you know, I, it doesn't have to be stepping through the door of the rehab. It can be, you know, maybe we can provide a miracle. Who knows? Like, there's so many different ways to get sober. And, like, I think You that, never know. Yeah, I think, like, putting another avenue out there is awesome. I agree with you. So come back and join us every week for our laughs, our insanity, our offensive behavior towards each other inappropriate language Uh but Um, we love each other in a very big way yeah no i do love you i do love you too thank you darling all right well now we'll like stop that because it's getting corny and let's sign out no wait we have to to read the disclaimer oh okay sorry we normally do that in the beginning okay go ahead disclaim it's actually not a disclaimer just you know please to make us to help us help you (laughs) uh sales chris is on that's right Reach out with any feedback, questions, comments, concerns to so I married an alcoholic at gmail.com and be sure to check the website so I married an alcoholic.com to stay up to date with what's going on. You know, if we talk about like a certain event that we have a picture of or a video or something like that, we'll definitely be sure to put it on the website just to put a little. I don't know, context into it. You could put a name to a face, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and definitely give us feedback, suggestions, anything that you'd like to hear us talk about, because trust me, we've both lived, well, Chris has lived 40 years. I've only lived 37, but- What an um, asshole. You know, we definitely have a lot of experience in all different avenues. Absolutely. And then, as always, you can get the latest podcast from our website, so I married an alcoholic.com or whatever streaming service you uh, subscribe to. That's it. We're done. Say good night, darling. Now, do your like alcoholic thing. Oh, um, all right. So, good night. I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Chris and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm also reminding you to help control the pet population. Have your <laughs> pets spayed or neutered. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob.